Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. If you have ever had someone betray your trust, you know that it sucks. Often we think that we get over the betrayal and move on. However, a lot of times we get stuck in what's considered to be stage three of post-betrayal syndrome. The question around betrayal is what happens to us after the fact? Do we forgive and forget? Do we remove that person from our lives forever? Does the betrayal then cause us to lose trust in others and reshapes our future lives? What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And today is a fantastic episode answering those questions around betrayal. Since we all have gone through some sort of betrayal in our lives, you should really learn the different stages you go through afterwards and understand what can happen to us emotionally, physically, and mentally, which is exactly what Dr. Debbie Silber will be teaching us today. So let's jump into my conversation with Dr. Debbie. Dr. Debbie Silber is the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute and is a holistic psychologist, a health mindset and personal development expert, the author of the number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Life Crisis, and her newest book, Trust Again. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changes how long it takes to heal. Thank you, Dr. Debbie, for coming onto the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Me too, because uh, betrayal, I think everyone's experienced some form of betrayal. So diving deeper into it, I'm really excited to hear kind of your thoughts around it and what we can do to recover from betrayal. Um, but before we do that, let's learn a little bit more about you and what your background is. Sure. Well, I've been in health mindset, personal development since 1991. And as my life kept changing, different you know, experiences, my business kept changing. And then there was trauma. And, uh, you know, it was a horrible betrayal with my family. And I didn't quite learn all the lessons I was meant to learn from that experience. So I got another opportunity. This time it was my husband. I was just devastated, like anybody who's been through it, shots blindsided. And I was really desperate to understand how the mind works and why the why people do these things and how it can heal. So I enrolled in a PhD program, not what everybody would do coming off of a betrayal, but that's what I did. And, uh, and it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my business, my health, my family, my life, everything. Interesting. So, um, you know, I think everyone, when you say the word betrayal, they something pops up in their mind. They have some sort of idea what betrayal is. Is there different kind of hidden forms of betrayal that are still considered betrayal, but we might not recognize as actual betrayal? Absolutely. You know, I define it as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. And every relationship has rules. Think about it. We had an agreement today. I was going to show up. We were going to have a conversation. And if I didn't, I would have betrayed you. Now, that wouldn't have devastated you. <laughs> no. but, but the way it works, the more we depend, the more we count it on, the more we trust that person, the deeper the betrayal. So, for example, a child who's completely dependent on their parent and then they do something awful – 
that's going to have a much different impact than let's say your coworker taking credit for your idea. But it has so many forms. I mean, it could be your best friend telling your secret. It could be your sibling, you know, where it's like, okay, when mom and dad are older one day, we'll be there for them and then they're not. It could be a, a coach, a counselor, a therapist who you trust to, to help you through something and then they do something uh, awful. It could, we could have self-betrayal, you know, and self-betrayal is really common with betrayal as well. Interesting. So, um, you know, if it's someone that you trust a lot and they do something that betrays your trust, is that type of betrayal different than a lot of small betrayals that compound on itself? It's a different, you know, it, it hits us differently. I call that one death by a thousand cuts. Mm. You know, that could be a series of micro betrayals, but they add up over time because it's eroding the very foundation that that relationship was built on. So it could be a series of micro betrayals. It could be one shockingly painful uh, realization, but whatever it is, it's that, it's that shock that the person we trusted, the person who said, you can count on me, you can trust me, I have your back. When that person uh, betrays that trust without our awareness or consent, it's one of the biggest shocks that absolutely affects us physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. So it is a lot more than just that emotional component of betrayal. There's other ways that it can manifest inside of you. Oh, very much so. You know, there were the three discoveries that were made. And one of them is that there is a collection of symptoms so common to betrayal, physical, mental, and emotional. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And it's interesting, in the last year and a half or so, we've had about 8,700 plus people take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent they're struggling. I mean, besides just the most amazing data on what people are struggling with. What's so interesting is we've all heard time heals all wounds. I have the proof when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. Because people write things like, there's a question that reads, is there anything else you'd like to share? I read every single one. And people write things like, my betrayal happened 40 years ago and I can still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 30 years ago, I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 10 years ago, it feels like it happened yesterday. I mean, betrayal only heals when we face it, feel it, heal it. And I can, I can sniff out an unhealed betrayal from a mile away. You see it so clearly in someone's health, in their work, in their relationships. So the brain is kind of uh, fascinating because it does a really good job of like downplaying stuff. So if you go through a traumatic event, then over the years, it kind of suppresses it, um, whether the feeling or like the sensation a little bit for betrayal. Is it the same process for that? Or when you go back and you think about it, does all those, uh, everything just come back in full force? You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great question because I see it. Um, I, I see where, and I can run through, one of the other discoveries was that while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, many of us do, if we're going to heal, we will move through five stages. And we know what happens at each stage, physically, mentally, and emotionally, and we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next, which means healing from betrayal is now predictable. But to answer your question, what you're talking about is what I see in a classic stage three. And this is where most people get stuck. Hmm. And they can stay there for life. They haven't even uh, transformed. I mean, they haven't, they haven't taken the most painful experience that they've, that they've ever had and used that to completely change everything. 
about their relationships, about themselves. But they're so, um, it's so much better than the shock and trauma of where they were that they actually think that that's good. And I'm happy to go through the five stages if that would, if that would help. And you'll see it play out, you know, as we move through the stages. Yeah, let's go through those stages. I think that would be very helpful. Sure. So, and, and this was so exciting when this showed up. I'll never forget my study chair saying, you know, Debbie, I, I believe you've discovered a process here. And, and the most exciting part of that was that now there's this predictable um, sort of timeline of, of, okay, here's where I am. Here's what I have to do to get to the next stage. Whew, you know, so here are the stages. So the first was like a setup stage, and, and I saw this with every single study participant, me included. And if you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental, and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing, and not really prioritizing the feeling and being. But that's where our intuition lies, and we turn that down. So real easy for that table to topple over in that scenario. That's not to say if you're busy, it's a setup for betrayal, but it's just what I consistently saw. Stage two, this is the scariest stage, the shock, we're blindsided, D-Day, Discovery Day. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. This is where we've ignited the stress response. So now we are headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. The mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. It makes no sense. And your worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. This person's safe. These are the rules. Don't go there, you know? And in a moment, it's totally shattered. So this, this is where the bottom bottoms out. Terrifying. But think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. The most practical stage. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How will I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I go? Now, here's the big trap. Figuring out those things and surviving feels so much better than that shock and trauma. So we're like, whew. And here's where we start planting roots. And the challenge is, the longer we stay here, the harder it is to leave. And a few things happen. Now we're in this place, and now we start getting these small self-benefits from being there. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You get a lot of sympathy from other people. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Do I trust you? Do I trust you? Forget it, I won't trust anybody. And the longer you stay, now you're calling situations and people and circumstances to you that confirm that's where you belong. And now you start saying things like, well, maybe I deserved it. Maybe I'm not all that. You know, maybe this, maybe that. And I'll take it one step further. I did two TEDx's. The first one was on sabotage, how we sabotage ourselves. Here's where we use things like food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior. So now what happens is we are so uncomfortable in this stage and we have no idea there's anything better out there for us. So we're medicating, we're numbing, we're avoiding, we're distracting. And we put ourselves in this like sort of perpetual holding pattern. So that's stage three and people could stay there forever. I mean, so when you speak with them, they may say, oh my gosh, but my betrayal happened 30 years ago. 
but you see, that's why they're stuck. Hmm. If they're willing, willingness is a huge piece of this. If they're willing to give up all those benefits they were receiving and everything else, grieve the loss, right? All, all of that, they can move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you realize your old normal doesn't exist anymore. You cannot undo your betrayal, but you can control the meaning you make out of it and what you do with it. And this is like if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever. Your stuff isn't there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's this new space you're settling into and it's going to be okay. And what I found so interesting about stage four was if you were to move, you don't necessarily take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent the version of you you want to be in your new space. And here's where I saw a change in friendships. If your friends weren't there for you, you've outgrown them right here. Here's where you're creating new boundaries, new rules, this new version of you. Or if they were indulging in low-level gossip, whatever it was, you're done. You just don't fit. So people say to me all the time, but I've had these friends forever. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're transforming. Anyway, when you settle into this space, you're also turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you're not creating the massive damage you were creating in stages two and stages three. When you're in the stage for a while, it's comfortable, you're getting used to it, you're making it okay, you can move into the fifth most beautiful stage, and this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. Your body starts to heal, you've turned down the stress response. Now, think about it, it's like you didn't have the bandwidth for eating well, exercise, self-love, self-care, you were surrounded now you do your mind you're making new rules new boundaries based on what you've been through and you have a new world view based on your experience and remember the four legs of the table in the beginning it was only about the physical and the mental now we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too those are the five stages there's a lot i want to unpack there and um I'm curious because, you know, we've heard a lot about the term, the new normal, which makes me wonder, can we have a betrayal of life, like different life circumstances? Like right now, everyone's life has been uprooted and changed. Would that be kind of a betrayal of what we know and how we expect things to run? And now with this whole push of this is a new normal and all that stuff, is that kind of pushing us past these stages too far, even if we're not ready for it? You know, I love that question because yes, you're right. It is a new normal and watch how you'll see how people show up here because what we need to do is, is grieve the old. It's real, but you will see people kicking and screaming to fight to keep the old instead of embracing the new. This is where we are. And you will find there are people who they will not accept it. They refuse to accept it. They will be talking about how this is the absolute worst thing and it ruined this and it destroyed that and life will never be the same. And then there are the other people who are more flexible, they, right, right, like a tree. If you're rigid, you break. If you're flexible, you bend. And there are those other people who say, okay, well, this is where I am now. I cannot change it. What can I do with this? Those are the ones who transform. Those are the ones who thrive. While the other ones, they're still fighting. They're fighting every step of the way. So they get stuck. They do get stuck. And that's the biggest change between that stage three and that stage four. And it's also why there are so many people now numbing, avoiding, distracting. Because it's very painful. They, they don't have access to their old life. And they're they don't feel either capable or they're unwilling or whatever it is to embrace the new. 
So they're kicking and screaming the whole way, numbing themselves instead of saying, okay, what can I do with this? How can I make this the best experience? What can I do with this time I have? What can I create? Who can I become? So it seems like that that third phase, the survival instincts, that seems to be where the most um, chaotic or the most change can happen. You can either sabotage yourself, you can rise up and grow from it. Uh, you can push all the people in your life away. You can find new people that you can trust. Just seems like there's a lot going on there. Um, is that true? There's a lot going on at every stage, uh, and each one is transformative on its own. But what I see so consistently is that's the majority of people that I see. So many people who, you know, they're not happy with their health, with their weight, with their finances, with their lifestyle, with their lives. So often you think it's just because of what's going on now. I find consistently it could be a betrayal from decades ago. And here's the, here's the biggest problem with that. I mean, there are so many problems with that, but here's one. That person who hurt you decades ago, does it no care or even remember what they did? And here you are living out 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years because of what someone did, you know, in this way. It's tragic, but people don't know. And they think, well, this is as good as it gets, so I better get used to it. No, it's not. You have two more stages you haven't even ventured into yet. So is that third stage when you start working with people, is that kind of the um, the one that's really tough to kind of work through where you have to admit like this happened in this stage and then they need to make change from there? Yeah, this is, you know, there are two people who come into our community. There's the one who's recently betrayed and they're really, and it's really obvious, they're struggling from a betrayal. And then there are those people stuck in stage three. And what's so interesting about this group is they're, they're so defensive, you know, so often where they'll come in like typical person that come in their arms folded, like, I want to change. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You have way too much invested in your story. You just do, you know, and, and it's interesting because there were three groups in the study who didn't heal. And one of the groups was that group who just refused to accept their betrayal. And, and here's an analogy. And I, I use this one. I talked about this in my the second TEDx, do you have post-betrayal syndrome? But you'll see it so clearly here. So imagine a house. Here's the difference between resilience, which is bouncing back and trauma and transformation. So let's say the house needs a new boiler and you get a boiler, that would be resilience. You're bringing it back, you're restoring. Or let's say it needs a new roof and you get a roof, that's resilience, bringing it back. Here's trauma and transformation. A tornado comes by, levels your house. A new boiler's not gonna fix it and a new roof's not gonna fix it, right? Now here's the thing, you have every right to stand there at the lot where your house used to be and say, oh my gosh, look at this, the most terrible thing that's ever happened, and you'd be right. And you can call everybody you know over, say, look, look at this, isn't this horrible? And they'd all agree. And you actually have the right to mourn the loss of your house until your last breath, right? However, if you choose to rebuild the house, there's nothing there. Why would you build the same house? Why not give it everything the old house didn't have? Why not make it big, you know, the bigger, better, more beautiful, whatever it is to you. Trauma is the catalyst for transformation if you use it that way. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, I like that. When people come in and they're stuck in that three for decades mm -hmm. and they're so 
combative and they don't want to believe that they're stuck here and they're in denial of it. How, what, like, what do you do to make them realize, like, if you don't get past this, look at, look at the gra- uh, the greener grass on the other side here, but you need to want to make that change or that transformation. How do you work with that? Yeah, I just can't because, you know, I can show it to them, point it out so clearly, but I'll tell you, one of the biggest obstacles I see with transformation is willingness. If there is an unwillingness, because you do, you have to give up your story. If there's an unwillingness, you're going to, it's, you're going nowhere. And I've been working with thousands of people since 1991. I've seen this with weight. I've seen this with health. It's your, it's, it's become their identity. We never want to be without an identity. So if that betrayal is who you've become, it's not going anywhere because who would you be without that story? You know, I just spoke to a woman the other day and her story, I mean, it happened 15 years ago and she was telling it to me. It was so well rehearsed that I know she must've said it a hundred thousand times. And I just, I listened, you know, and it's, but at what point, at what point? Yes, you need to get it out. Yes, you do. But at what point is it, you know, time to do something with it. And I see this with people who get divorced. Like, for example, you hear them say, I'm divorced, I'm divorced, I'm divorced, I'm divorced. At what point are you single? You know what I mean? And, and, and the, the, the biggest uh, challenge, again, is they have every right. They have every right to hold on to their story. But what they don't realize is what they're holding at bay because of it. You know, think about it. It's your, yes, you have your story, but you have such a better story when you, when you give that, you become the hero or the heroine of your story. You become a role model. Like for example, I had a very powerful story. The most important people in my life betrayed me. However, I was like, "Mm, you know what? If I don't do something good with this, it's just like a bad game of hot potato. You know, if I, if I heal from this, I'm taking everybody with me. And, and what if because of that, you know, we open up the PBT Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute and the book and the podcast and the TEDx and all of these things because of it. That's a way better story. And then, you know, that I, he, with healing and rebuilding, I mean, that's always a choice. Like I healed myself and moved on with my family. And if the situation lends itself and you're willing and you want to, um, you build something totally new with the person who hurt you. And I married my husband again as two totally different people. I mean, it's just a better story. Yeah, I was going to ask, on the other side of betrayal, if you're the betrayee, I guess, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and you recognize like what you did was wrong, is there different stages for that person? Or is that like a betrayal of self that they then have to work through? It it takes a tremendous amount of work. And not being on that side ever, I, I can't say what it feels like, but seeing it, yeah, in our community and, and just seeing what my husband went through, there's a tremendous amount of shame and remorse and regret and, uh, and realization of who they become. You know, I, I see that betrayal reveals who you really are or who you've temporarily become. And it could either shock you into waking up and realizing all you've lost or shocking everybody around you realizing you know who they're really with or married to and and with many people like with my family there was no change was going to happen so the only thing that was going to happen was I had to heal and move on but there are those instances like with my husband when you lose the only things that matter to you and he was like what the heck did I do 
and and you know and did profound work to uh, to heal and rebuild with yep. me with my kids with my friends he even called all my friends and apologized yeah that actually that uh, brings up a really good point because like you said when you're in that uh, phase 3 uh, stage 3 and you're telling everybody like look what happened to me and all that type of stuff then the person that did the betraying they have a lot more to make up for not just to the person they betrayed but that person's entire circle absolutely and and you know it's uh it's interesting because now here you know, i have the the new book trust again i mean we sold out in in just the pre-sales it was uh, which is crazy but obviously there's a there's a need for this and when I was writing this book, I, I sat my whole family down. I said, guys, the story's in there and get ready. And, and it wasn't to throw anybody under the bus or make anybody uncomfortable. And I thought I was expecting, oh, come on, mom, <laughs> you know, and, and expecting resistance from my husband. And what was so interesting was they were, they were proud of me. And my biggest supporter was him. He said, you know what, this is going to help so many people and so many betrayers. Hopefully, you know, it's, it's trauma. When that happens, it's trauma well served. Right. Yep. Cause then everyone's growing. That's it. Yep. Well, is there final things that you want to touch on when it comes to betrayal and making sure like people know that there is support and there's ways to get past that stage three? Yeah, there's so much support. I mean, we created the, you know, the only community that I know of that's research-based based on what 8,700 plus people said they need, what my study proved we need. Um, and it's all there between the support, live classes with my certified coaches. I'm in there all the time, the programs, walking you through. So there, you know, it is available. Um, and, and if someone's resistant, I would just invite you to, to ask yourself, what's the downside of healing you know what's 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 the the problem with that and what's the benefit of staying stuck but what i would say uh, even more importantly is this is something it's a mantra and if you have to say it a hundred million times until you believe it it's worth it even though it happened to you it's not about you it's not about you and although someone else may have learned or not their lesson at your expense uh it's not about you it's just not. So use the opportunity to rebuild yourself into the most healthy, healed, whole version of you that you never dreamt possible. Is there any betrayals that you would say is completely unforgivable? Or is that dependent upon what the person believes? I think so much of it has to do with how you were raised, your own belief systems. You know, so, so it wouldn't be right for me to say, like, for example, there was one of the groups who did not heal was the group where the betrayer had no consequences. And uh, they tried to turn the other cheek, whether it was out of fear. Very often it was out of religious, for, due to religious reasons, financial fear, whatever. They tried to uh, just turn the other cheek. You tell that to your broken heart. All I saw in, the, in that group was not only was there a further deterioration of the relationship, by far, hands down, that group was the most physically sick. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. So, you know, there. I mean, I get it. If that's your belief system and that's what you signed up for, I would never say what's right or wrong. I mean, I just know what the study showed. And then my final question for you is, what do you do each day to improve your own health? Uh, 
you know, I, I drink my own Kool-Aid. If I, you know, I, I, I'm a real, I'm a real believer in uh, when your, your book is called trust again, and when you're teaching people how to heal from betrayal, you can't be anything other than honest 24 seven. So I just, I, I do what I can. So this way when I'm showing up in front of people that I don't have to question, wait a second, am I really saying that I'm doing this work? Am I really doing that? Yes, I am. I just couldn't, I never want to worry about that whole, uh, was it fraud, imposter syndrome, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just do my own work, so I stay honest. <laughs> so honest and trust, that brings up a very interesting question. If, if you know that saying something truthfully and honestly will hurt someone, is that worth saying? When you're saying it lovingly, compassionately, uh, empathetically, you know, it, it, I, I really believe if not saying it, is really causing a, a, um, you to, to not live authentically, it's not the right way to do. But if you are gonna share something, say it with the most um, kindness, love, and compassion you can. Perfect. Well, uh, can you tell us a little bit about where people can find more about you and you have a quiz that people can take as well? Absolutely, yeah. The best, best thing is just to take the quiz because you'll, the post-betrayal syndrome quiz because you'll see to what extent you're struggling. You may think you're healed and whole and all good, but you may find you're, you are stuck in that stage three. So the best place to find that is just uh, the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, the pptinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Perfect. And we'll have the link in the show notes at summitforwellness.com slash 134. Well, Dr. Debbie, thank you so much for coming on and talking about betrayal. Uh, like I mentioned, it seems like everyone has some form of betrayal that they've gone through in their life. So I think this is going to be very helpful. Uh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much. And it's people like you that give people like me uh, an avenue to just share the, this kind of information. Thank you. Listening to Dr. Debbie talk, I could think of lots of people I know who are stuck at stage three after experiencing some big betrayals. And once you recognize the stages, then it is really easy to see it happening. Being stuck there really does shape up your future. I know some people that have turned to drug and alcohol abuse to get through the pain, and I know others who refuse to trust anyone because of what they experienced. So if you know someone who might be stuck in stage three, Share this episode with them and then leave us a rating on your podcast player. Next week, Dr. Heather Manley will be on the show. Let's go learn who she is and what we'll be talking about. I am here with Dr. Heather Manley. Hey, Dr. Heather, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? I think a lot of people don't, don't know that I was um, really into wildlife conservation and I worked with Daphne Sheldrick and who's the elephant lady in Nairobi, Kenya for about nine months. Wow. How was that experience? <laughs> it was incredible. I, you know, also saw the gorillas in Rwanda. So wildlife was a huge part of my past. And what will we be learning about in our interview together? We will be really focusing on the menstrual cycle and how it's a vital sign and that we need to be looking at that more so with our um, teenage girls. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Ah, we need more fiber. And I think we're dehydrated. <laughs> so I think we need to be drinking more water and iced herbal teas and herbal teas um, and more fiber like nuts and seeds and, you know, dark leafy gr green vegetables. But that's kind of boring. <laughs> but like <laughs> nuts and seeds and keep hydrated. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Um, 
we talk about this in our in our in our talk too, but like just awareness on how food makes you feel. I think that's really really important that we forget to think about. And I typically have people challenge themselves to color up each plate that they um, eat. So even with breakfast, if you love cereal, what do you? How are you going to color it up? Like some berries, you know, they are a good way to do that. And then, of course, doing contrast hydrotherapy. So it helps to increase circulation. So when you're in your hot, hot shower, end it with cold water. Education about our own health and how our bodies work is so important. And unfortunately, a lot of times kids don't get the information they need to really understand what's going on. So next week's episode will be a good one for kids to hear. So until then, keep climbing to the peak of your health.